The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Election Day has come and gone, but Virginia isn't done processing mail-in ballots. As long as they were postmarked by Tuesday, they'll be counted until noon on Friday. As Patrick Larson reports, that means some races could be too close to call for days. According to the Department of Elections, about 12% of absentee ballots requested statewide haven't come back. That's about the same percentage as the 2016 presidential election, but this is the first year that the state has been able to accept ballots after Election Day. Even though it's unclear how many of those unaccounted votes will come in, they could be a factor in close races. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Representative Abigail Spanberger says she's defeated Republican Nick Freitas after mounting a lead of over 5,000 votes. As of 10 p.m. Wednesday, the Associated Press has not called the race. In a speech at her campaign headquarters in Henrico last night, Spanberger thanked her supporters and vowed to represent people who voted against her. And I thank Delegate Freitas for a hard-fought campaign. And I thank his wife, Tina, and their children for their roles in making his service in the General Assembly and his work along the campaign trail possible. In a Twitter post, Freitas says he'll wait until all votes have been canvassed on Friday to make an announcement. Democratic U.S. Representative Elaine Luria will keep her seat in Congress. As Sam Turkin reports, Luria has defeated Republican Scott Taylor in Southeast Virginia's 2nd District House race. Luria led by about 15,000 votes when she claimed the win and Taylor conceded. At one point, Taylor had a steady double-digit lead on election night, but Luria surged ahead early Wednesday morning after localities counted more absentee votes. During her victory speech, she said she had a feeling those ballots would help her win. They were a sizable part of the electorate. I mean, that was about 200,000 votes, and as an example, in 2016, we had 310,000 people vote in this district. So it was over 50% of the votes that we expected. Taylor represented the district from 2016 to 2018. He then got embroiled in an election fraud scandal and lost his re-election bid to Luria two years ago. His former campaign remains under investigation by a special prosecutor. Luria said the scandal helped her beat him again this year. When voters were reminded of that issue and the pending investigation, um, it certainly swayed their decision process. The second district has historically leaned Republican, Luria will be the first Democrat to hold the seat for more than two years since Owen Pickett did it from 1987 to 2001. Sam Turkin, VPN News. The unofficial election results in Richmond show many incumbents on city council are likely to keep their seats. With all precincts reporting, 6th District Council member Ellen Robertson has 63% of the vote over her progressive challenger, Alan Charles Chipman. City Council President Cynthia Newbill leads by a similar margin in Richmond's East End. Councilmember Andreas Addison in the 1st District got 48% of the vote, winning a three-way race. There's still some races that are too close to call. With all but one precinct reporting in the 2nd District, Tavara Spinks leads Catherine Jordan by just 26 votes. In the Richmond mayor's race, it appears LeVar Stoney has won a second term. Unofficial results show Stoney carried six districts, more than the five needed to win. In a statement issued yesterday, Republican Senate challenger Daniel Gade conceded to incumbent Democratic Senator Mark Warner, saying, quote, I concede and call on all of my supporters to recognize state and federal results with peace and unity. 
The Associated Press called the race for Warner early on election night. That was a big change from his last race in 2014, when Warner beat Republican Ed Gillespie by less than 18,000 votes. This will be Warner's third term in the Senate. Republicans have not won a statewide election in Virginia since 2009. Virginia voters on Tuesday solidly approved a ballot measure that will change the way election districts are drawn and who draws them. The measure creates a bipartisan commission that will also include regular citizens to figure out any changes to electoral districts that need to be made based on the results of the 2020 census. Former State Representative Wyatt Durrett says the new committee will get rid of backroom deals favoring one party over the other. This is a transparent process with tremendous citizen involvement, and it will result in much fairer districts for the people of Virginia. The selection process is expected to start in mid-November. Once the census information is available, the committee is expected to begin its work in February. The Chesterfield Education Association is asking the school board to reverse its decision to send the last group of students into schools on Monday. CEA President Sonia Smith says the district should follow the guidelines outlined by the Virginia Department of Health. They recommended a pause in sending students back to in-person learning when COVID-19 metrics show an increase. The teachers' union is also asking the board to determine if health department guidelines are currently being followed. Smith wants the school board to hold a special meeting before school starts on Monday to discuss the issue. The board's next scheduled meeting is on November 10th. As winter approaches, Mayor LeVar Stoney is urging Richmonders to stay the course with COVID-19 precautions and get their flu shots. In his press conference Wednesday, Richmond Health Department Director Dr. Danny Avula warned that the city's trajectory over the past month mirrors the nation's as a whole. He addressed the upcoming holiday season, recommending that family gatherings be avoided if possible. For those who are planning holiday get-togethers, Avula suggested a quarantine period of 14 days before and after the gathering. Now, I know that this sounds difficult and it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I think this is the kind of discipline and rigor that we're going to need to put into place. The city reported 187 new cases last week, bringing the total since the start of the pandemic to just over 5,500. The polls have closed, but the election has left many Americans feeling like the opposing political sides are so at odds that no middle ground can be found. StoryCorps and VPM have teamed up to find that middle ground through One Small Step, a project that aims to connect people across the political divide through the act of conversation. During Anya Thomas's and Allison Kleiber's conversation, they discover they share something in common. Both are dual European-American citizens. Anya and Allison talked with each other about what it's like to be stereotyped both in America and abroad. I think the worst experience I actually had was in Brazil, because while they glorify Americans there, um, I had dinner at a very good friend's home and met his parents. And his father knew that I was from the southern part of the United States. And um, his father was a racist. And he assumed that I was a racist because I was from the South. You know, the bourbon drinking, the cowboys, those were kind of funny things in terms of American stereotypes, but to be associated with being a racist because I'm from the South, that bothered me on so many levels. Actually, I had somewhat of a similar experience. It wasn't racism, but when I went to college here in the United States, it was during a time when the United States was looking for weapons of mass destruction. And France did not ally with the United States. And on that college campus, people hated me for just being French. And they would just slam doors in my face and assumed that I believed what the French president believed. And 
there was no having a conversation with them. And it was actually one of the first times that I was really frustrated with politics because I am not my president, just as you are not your president. You know, we have our own beliefs. We are a community together, but there was no conversation to be had with those people. It was very frustrating to be labeled something. It wasn't racism, but it's something that I really didn't, you know, feel strong about. And I didn't feel like that's something you should judge me for. And, um, and so I think it's a unique experience being dual culture to be assumptions that you think a certain way or that you're going to act a certain way. And sometimes it's positive and funny and cute. And sometimes it's really serious and it takes away from a relationship you could have or an experience or an opening that you could, you could have. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org slash news. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs>